You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWR.com. We're here to discuss, um, well, a lot of, well, not a lot of things, Matt. Um, that's uh, Matt's over there hanging out with us. We, uh, a little bit later in the week, because there's some miscommunication, because I told Matt I was out of town, but I'm not out of town now. So our schedule will be a little, uh, you get a half a podcast a week, right? Nothing last week, except middle of the week, a bonus, right? Can we put yeah, we'll, uh, we're, we're sort of making it up as we go here and there. That's what we normally do. We have topics. We kept the same topic, what we're doing. But first off, if you like the show, you know, if you subscribe, share it, yell at us, give us some reviews. That'd be pretty cool. Over at, uh, where, where do you leave reviews, Matt? Apple like, and Spotify, I guess. I don't leave really don't re- think, reviews at other places. I don't places. think Spotify does reviews. You can give it a thumbs up, but I also realized it makes you listen to it on Spotify. Because I'm like, I'll, give, I'll go give our show a good thumbs up. Because you must listen to episodes before you can rate or review the show. Well, well, hopefully we so, can put our best foot forward for anybody who's considering giving us a thumbs up for this episode. Something like that, definitely. So this episode we're going to discuss, we talked about last week, there's only been, what ha- we're going to talk about who hasn't won a conference title. So since, and we need to clarify, Matt, since the league has been formed with its full 12 members in football. Yeah. So since, which since is 2013. 2013. So from that, from that time we've had, Boise State won a title. We've had Fresno State win a title. We've had uh, San Diego State, San Jose State titles. Yes, it counts, people. Get off our back. Yeah. And Utah State. So there have been – so the te- am I, did I miss anybody in there? Am I sliding anybody? Did I not get it? Get no, no. Five teams have won it, which means that seven teams have not, and those are the teams we'll be talking about today. So real quick, Air Force, Mexico, UNLV, Wyoming, Colorado State, Hawaii, and Nevada. Out of all those – the only team to have won a conference title, if I'm correct, is Colorado State. Yeah, they the did Mountain it uh, back in the early days, the Mountain West. Yeah, with I think they when they you know Sonny Lubick and they were beaten up in Bradley Van Pelt throwing footballs off Buffalo's guy's head and tying Utah BYU and beating them all the time too. So yes. So how this is going to work? We're basically going to go through like how can these teams win a title, or maybe and even. I think it's easy, Matt, to say who's the next likeliest team to win a title. That's not. I don't think it's too far fetched if who's on there. But we're going to kind of go through like how these teams and how soon they might be in the contention to win a title. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. 
and we'll start with Air Force, who how first off going through this list, like how shocked are you that they haven't won a title yet? Because they've been to one Mountain West Championship when they went all the road to San Diego State and lost that one year. There's all the yeah, hubbub about who's hosting, who's not hosting. Yeah, that was the first real, real brush with that kind of confusion that came back a couple of years later with Boise and Fresno back in 2017. Computers. Um, it is it is sort of surprising though, given that Air Force has generally been one of the more successful teams in the Mountain West. Um, I'm trying to remember the tweet that I put out there as far as you know winning percentage since 2013. Obviously, you have voices at the top. San Diego State number is number two, but if memory serves, I believe that Air Force was actually number three on that list. You know, by virtue of you know having had multiple 10 win seasons. But, you know, for one reason or another, since that 2015 season, they just haven't been able to kind of get over the top in that mountain division. Yeah, since 2013, when the Mountain West, as it is, they had the, they had a two-year, or excuse me, they had four 10-win seasons. But then they've had, their initial year was um, a two-win season, and they've had a couple five-win seasons, and then they're 500 at three and three in 2020. Yeah. And so they've been not, I get kind of up and down, I guess. Usually they're more... They've been more up and down then than they were previously from basically in Calhoun's first half decade, where they're anywhere between seven and nine wins. Yeah. And then yeah. Inter- up and down, yeah. but they've so been the difference, good or, eh, the difference between like them it. and Utah State since 2013 is is basically four games that the Falcons did not play. Um, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, both the Falcons and the Aggies have the same number of wins, 64 wins since 2013, but Air Force only has 44 losses, Utah State has 48. Interesting. Okay. That's a, that's, I'm surprised it's that close, but just because of the 10 win season Air Force has, Greta State, I believe, has two in the Mountain West Air 2013, I believe. Uh, yes. Okay. So, and they've been, I guess, more consistent, which is very, what do you remember? They had Jordan Love. They've had, like, first one draft picks. They've had really good teams this past year, clearly overachievers and doing it. So, how is Air Force, I'll ask you, we'll go back and forth, but what does Air Force need to do to win a conference title? I mean, I think it's an obvious distinction to make, but I think it bears saying that, you know, of the teams that we'll talk about in this podcast, the Falcons are the one where their competitive window is open right now. And, you know, obviously we've talked in, in past episodes about how, yeah, they're going to have to replace their defensive coordinator, John Rodzinski. You know, they're having to replace, um, you know, key pieces on both sides of the football. I believe uh, you know, Micah Davis announced today that he was foregoing his last year of eligibility to you know, train, prepare for the NFL draft. So you know, he's moving Lewis. on, you know, uh, yeah. Did I say Michael Lewis? I meant Brandon Lewis. It, oh yeah. Brandon Lewis, yeah, the wide receiver. Who My was, apologies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's moving good. on, yeah. um, you know, Jordan Jackson is moving on. Yeah. I believe Demonte Meeks is also moving on or, or Lakota Wells. One of the, I, I can't remember, I can't remember which one is a senior off the top of my head. I apologize for that. But the idea is, you know, while they have some pieces that they're going to have to replace, you could make a case that like most of the hard work was done this year, you know, this, this year that we just had where, you know, they were having to replace, you know, multiple all conference guys in the offensive line. And they made that transition look as seamless as possible. And they went out and won another 10 games, even if they didn't go out and win the division and put themselves in a, in, in a place where, you know, even if they aren't maybe like number one with a bullet, as far as contenders, like they're definitely like a top three or four team in the mountain West. And so I think, relative to a lot of the other teams in this conversation, it's, it goes back to this, this idea that we like to put out there all the time about just like incremental improvements here and there. 
you know, what do they do mm-hmm. to do just a little bit better to get over the top? And so I think with that in mind, you know, I can think, I, th- I thought of a couple of things with that idea in mind. And I think with some of it, and this is probably going to be a common refrain for a lot of these teams, can the Falcons get just a little bit better quarterback play from Ezekiel Daniels? And I say that, you know, not, not as, as, you know, his effectiveness as a rudder or, and, or, you know, his effectiveness, you know, operating the offense. I think that that is in doubt, like the, the offense has been very good with him at quarterback, but you know, when you look at the numbers over the last couple of years, you know, uh, to me, it seems like, you know, the one big question that sort of remains at this point for Daniels in particular is can he improve as a passer? Because when you look at his numbers versus Donald Hammond's numbers from two years ago, there's actually a lot of similarities between them. Like they're both slightly above 50% in terms of, you know, completion percentage. You know, they're both, uh, I, I want to say uh, both uh, 11, 12 yards per attempt, which is, you know, where you want to be, you know, when you're a Falcons quarterback in, in those situations where you're throwing deep more often than not and taking those shots. But when you look at the games that they've lost over the last couple of years, you know, it's his performance as a passer that has really set them back in those rare occasions. You know, in the games that they have won between 2020 and 2021, as a passer, Daniels has six touchdowns, one interception, and he's averaged 11.8 yards per attempt. That's exceptional all the way across the board, mm-hmm. right? By contrast, in the games that they've lost, and they lost three last year and they lost three this year, four touchdowns, five interceptions. And maybe most importantly, only 8.4 yards per attempt. So to me, I think the biggest difference is getting just a little more of the former and a little less of the latter, which again, you're talking about a team that just won 10 games last year. So it, it could just mean, you know, having one fewer clunker, you know, for example, like they did against San Diego state where, you know, that entire offense really got bottled up by the Aztecs defense and if, if memory serves, Daniels was only two of eight throwing the football. I think he only had like 10 or 20 yards or something like that. So like that element of the game was just a non-factor. And, you know, given that they're going to have to play the Aztecs again next year, next fall, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like being able to flip the script, you know, just a little more often, I think is one of those little things that could put them over the top. Yeah, and losing, like throwing not a key part of their offense. Mm-hmm. However, when they lose Brandon Lewis, that's a big deal. When he was averaging about 20 yards a camp or 29 yeah. yards a attempt per catch or something. And so there's typically a guy back to that could maybe do that. I think that's the thing they're kind of I mean, they even had freaking Jalen Robinette, who was really good and still couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. I think what they need like to assist them to get there, schedule matters. If, if we're talking about this year, they're like they're clearly the closest team out of any of these, any of these we're going to discuss who could win the title, even as soon as 2022. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't put it because in our preseason poll, our stupid early 2022 poll, they got no first place votes. However, they're still third overall. Yeah. So they're people expect like their voting, if I recall, was I think they were between two and fourth place. Everybody else, like San Diego State, Fresno, even Utah State. They were kind of spread out a bit. Mm-hmm. They were pretty top of, I mean, they're only 11 point, 10 points out of first place with no first place votes. You give them a couple first place votes, they're at the top right there, clearly. Mm-hmm. But I think, think of this like you mentioned, offensive line losing a couple all American first team all conference caliber players. They, they replenish themselves fine this year. It's going to be even better next year. And we know the strength. I think a passy, not that it needs to be better, but you're right, a little more accurate, a little bit more of a threat here and there. But getting 
maybe two receivers. They'll, they typically can find the one, but I think a second receiver could go a long way. Maybe they throw two more times a game. Maybe mm-hmm. just a couple more where it's not one guy going four for 95 and then two passes for like eight total yards or something to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can mix it up just a little bit because what that will do, everybody knows the Air Force does a run, 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 eventually pass, beat you over the top or something like that. Or they have the middle wide open because you're always going left to right. And why cover the middle when you're always doing that type of running play? The middle could be open because we want more defenders spread yeah. across the line. So if they have a second person who could do something, that I think that would go a long way. Not that they need to pass more, but it's like you said, incremental, a little bit things here or there. I think that go that could go a long way to make the offense more dynamic because it ultimately it'd help the ground game more because they could still throw the same amount of times per game. But if they have two main guys who, let's say the two guys combined for six for 160, something mm-hmm. like that, or maybe, no, whatever, that's a lot. But you know what I mean? 20, it's 18 yards a catch for two players each. I think that's not the 25 to 30 or 20 to 30 yard guys they typically have. But if two guys who are right at about 15 plus and they might catch two passes a game, like if these guys have combined for like five for 75, like that's six, almost six for 100. That would go a long way because it changes the field dynamic. I don't know if they have that, but I think that could go a long way because, oh, no, we have to actually have a linebacker or a different safety cover, either a tight end or receiver. That leaves one less guy to be able to be able to attack the running game, the pitch man, the quarterback, whoever. I think that's kind of the – it's a little, a little thing there, but it's hard to. They don't recruit that type of guy, so it's hard to get that player. I think that's one way where they'd be able to – and that probably most likely make the running game more if they're throwing the same amount, but – like I said, one less defender can concentrate on the running game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I do think that when you consider what the Falcons do, which is run the football, yeah, it, when, when you look at how they accomplished what they did last year, they did it in a way that they typically don't do it, which is you know basically like you know pounding the fullback dive again and again and again with, with Brad Roberts. And what's sort of interesting about that is they didn't get as much out of the tailback position as they have in years past. And so one thing I'm really interested to, to follow going into 2022, especially considering that, you know, by my last count, I'm looking at my transfer tracker right now, the Falcons have lost four running backs, or excuse me, five okay. running backs to the transfer portal, you know, including Jordan Guidry, who's been sort of a bit player over the last couple of years, including Marcy Sietz, who was, you know, I believe their, their top recruit from, uh, from the 2020 class. Uh, and a few other guys who, you know, one transferred to Hawaii, another one transferred to Sam Houston State. So, you know, it's really interesting to me to see, okay, well, they 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 managed to do it with with basically Daniels and and Roberts shouldering the majority of the load and then attacking the the edges, attacking the sidelines with like those those wide receiver sweeps that they have, like with your with your Dane Kinnamans and, and your Michael Lewis yeah. and whatnot. But I'm interested to see whether they are interested in trying to do that again or whether they try and find someone who can step up and and take over that tailback position. Basically in a nutshell, like do they have another Tim McVay or Caden Remsburg type runner to be able to give defenses a different look? Because, you know, obviously, you know, being able to run the fullback dive 20 times a game worked out once. And, but even with a, a top offensive line, even with a top fullback willing to shoulder that load, I think, you know, having that diversity in the running game is going to be more important to them maybe in the immediate future than having that diversity in the passing game. 
Yeah, I think because yeah, what you're saying is what they more naturally do. Yeah. So, I it, it's my I, the way I'm thinking about it is just different. Yeah. And that would just because we know what Air Force does. And remember, they had Chad Hall. He was technically a wide receiver, but he mm-hmm. ran the ball a million times, like back yeah. uh, 20 years ago at this point. That's probably a more natural way to do it. My, I think mine would be a touch more creative, even though it's not that much different, really. Mm-hmm. Because why not have that second guy be a tight end who can, because that might be even more ideal, have him be a tight end where he can go out for a pass or he's going to block. Like they don't know, oh, is it going to be a wide receiver or tight end screened or something? Or they could pull, because what you can pull out is, it, it, you see the play, I'm trying to see if I can explain it clearly because I just thought of it now, where they have the, <coughs> triple option means obviously three options. Duh, idiots. You know, and it's I know what triple means three, but what it could be a little bit different. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, but if you think about saying, you yeah. the tight, but I'm just making it very clear. You have the tight end on one of the side where they have just say a tailback and a tight end, and like pr- good example, what two tight ends, a tailback, and two receivers, and mm-hmm. or one receiver, whatever they do, but you don't have two running backs, you have one running back, so. It looks like it could look like a speed option of sorts. Yeah. Where so you run to left or right and that tight end blocking. And then at some point he releases and he could be another pitch man, like either a shovel pass or but or or a typical not a handoff, like a, some sort of pitch. Mm-hmm. Like he runs quickly to the left and you have your running back to your I'm using left side example, obviously. You have your running back to the left, like oh, it's just one guy, but then they could also do a shovel pass to him who's blocking blocking releases. Like that might be a tricky play to do to actually create separation and make yardage because if you're blocking, you know, I mean, I'm just saying like that could be another wrinkle or a block. Oh, but if you if you pull that off once or twice, and it could be actually a for real run option play where okay, he runs to the left, he can either toss left or actually step back and he kind of slips behind, lets his guy come through. Like there's there's a couple of ways I think that could work if they want to get them at the tight end involved where. Which they do anyways. They they'll give a quick handoff to the tight end, the guy or the H back, whatever you want to call it, will go in motion, a quick handoff out the side. Like mm-hmm. I think there's a few ways where they would still be within what they do, but I don't know. That's that's what I think offensively. Defensively, they we'll see the defense coordinator's gone. See who gets promoted, see who brings back in. I think the defense is more important overall for them to be like that complete championship team. But it, we know it's not always there. The past couple of years have been kind of special for them with they had the turnbacks. All these other guys got all this talent. They came back last year. So literally had, what do we say, 15, 16 technical starters on defense mm-hmm. who yeah. played. And so that's where I think that might take a step back. That's why I think the offense just to be a touch more creative. And you can, again, you can run the same play with the same formation or five different plays from the same formation. Yeah. And they do that regardless. But I think having a second, I think the tight end would be the best spot for a second receiver to, you know how it is, Matt. If they if they throw seven times, it's four or seven. What if that's a hundred yards? Just I just, but it, I think having the second threat as a possibility will just take a defender out of the play. Uh, that's yeah, why I, I, I get what, what they can do next. That's why I think they're clearly the most likely team to win the next conference title, right? They have to be. Yeah, I mean, especially relative to the next team that we're going to talk about, uh, your New Mexico Lobos. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My my Lobos, what are you talking well, about? Oh, we're ta- I'm referring, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to the audience. I know. The Lobos, uh, oh boy, they, uh, is it, okay, Dana Gonzalez entering year three. They showed promise end of year one, where they went, went two in a row and with Isaiah Chavez beat your Fresno State Bulldogs, unfortunately. Sorry mm-hmm. to bring that up. They brought in um, Terry Wilson from Kentucky, got hurt early on, and literally had no quarterbacks. I think it, and then and they lose Andy um, Dumas, Dumas to the portal. They're star running back. Uh, yeah, Aaron Dumas already. Or sorry, Washington, Aaron. Yeah, Pods. Oh, Washington. Dang, that's oh man, it's gonna be good. But losing Dumas there. Sorry, I don't know why I said Andy, but uh, losing him, retaining players is key. We know Gonzalez and um, oh geez, um, Rocky Long, defensive coaches. There are things that show promise, but is I think more of the past, at least this past year, has been more unlucky with the quarterback situation, not that the quarterback situation needed to be perfect, but when we saw Wilson, he looked reasonably good in the, like versus Houston Baptist early on. He looked like a competent and it could be a pretty good quarterback for them. It's just, they lose guys, the portal and they literally had no quarterbacks last year. They brought in the grad transfer. Was it Bryson Carroll had to come in and suit up just in case mm-hmm. that's a problem for this program. I think quarterback play and keeping players is kind of where it starts off for them to maybe succeed. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. And obviously people who have listened to this podcast for a while know that we talk about health luck every so often. And, you know, obviously 2020 was a very strange environment for everybody with, you know, COVID protocols and whatnot. But I think, you know, health luck definitely played a factor at the most important position on the field for the Lobos last year. And so while on the one hand, you want to give you know, Derek Wareheim, the offensive coordinator, credit for sort of patching things on the fly, it, and, and it worked for a week. It worked against Wyoming, but then, you know, at the end of the year, they didn't, they just didn't have any answers whatsoever on that side of the ball. And that's where really, no matter how you slice it, they, they ended the year as maybe the worst offense in the nation. Um, and, and really through, through no fault of their own, like, you know, Aaron Dumas yeah. had a, had a pretty solid year before he departed. And so, you know, I think just, if you look at the upside though, if they can stay healthy, you know, they've got interesting pieces on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Like, you know, Chavez is still there, you know, and he, he has a little moxie to him and the, you know, they brought in the the transfer quarterback from Kansas, Miles Kendrick. Um, so, you know, they might have some competition, you know, each of the three guys that were on the roster before Kendrick Chavez, CJ Montez and Connor Denall, you know, maybe with a, a sort of a clean slate, it becomes, you know, maybe they just hit the reset button and be like, okay, let's do this for real now. And let's, you know, find the guy who can grow with the pieces in this offense around them. Because, you know, the wide receivers that they have, you know, a few of them flashed potential last year, you know, Trace Bruckler, you know, Keontae Lanier, uh, you know, Andrew and Austin Erickson, Luke Weissong. So, I mean, they've got some guys who can play. It's just a matter of, you know, finding the guy under center who's going to be able to you know make the whole thing work and, and keeping him upright. Um, 
so, you know, that's obviously one big thing for them. And again, I feel like, again, common refrain that you'll hear again later in this podcast. But I think the other question that I'm sort of thinking about is what is ultimately the ceiling going to be for Rocky Longo's defense? Because, you know, they're obviously, they obviously started from a much deeper hole than he did in his first go around in Albuquerque. Like they were basically in the triple digits by SP plus before, you know, he arrived on the scene with Gonzalez. And there's not a lot of doubt that they're ahead of the curve on that side of the ball in particular. You know, they mm-hmm. were, uh, I want to say 94th by SP plus, if I'm not mistaken, by the end of this year, which, you know, it's, it's not great, but it's better than where they were, you know, two years ago. And, and they were sort of put in a lot of unenviable situations just because the offense didn't really have any answers to offer opposition. But then you look back at, at his past history and you see, okay, well, how long did it actually take Rocky Long to build his defenses the first time in New Mexico and in San Diego State? And, you know, you go back and you look at that four-year stretch from 2005 to 2008, and you see that there was a lot of improvements after like year, from year one to year two to year three in particular. In 2005, they were 68. In 2006, they were 49th. And 2007 was the high water mark. I believe that was the year they won nine games. You know, they were 34th and then 42nd the last year he was there before he jumped to San Diego State. And then it took a little more time to build that kind of elite defense or the, the top end Mountain West defense that we came to expect from the Aztecs year in and year out. You know, the, there were three years in the first five, actually, where they were below average in terms of defensive XP plus, not that far below average, you know, 78th, 75th, mm-hmm. 77th in, in 2009, 11, and 13. But it's sort of telling that like his last defense with the Aztecs was his best one. You know, they were 15th in 2009 before he came back to New Mexico. And so I'm, I'm interested to see what that progression looks like over the next couple of years, because I think it's... It, on paper right now, it may be too ask too much to ask. Okay, here let's make a jump from year two to year three. I still feel like there's a lot of work to be done, and the window really for getting back to bull eligibility might not be until 2023. But it's, yeah, it's, it's but it's sort of telling that like when you look at what they've done with this particular recruiting class, and we're actually recording this, I believe, before the second national signing day tomorrow. We're recording on February right. 1st. Four of their top five recruits that they've already signed are on the defensive side of the ball. And, and perhaps coincidentally, the, the, the fifth guy is a running back, you know, from Helix High, Christian Washington. So maybe that gives Reggie them- Reggie Bush, Alex Smith went there. There you go, come on. Yeah, so, you know, maybe that gives them a guy, you know, with and Nathaniel Jones is back in the fold. And, and again, they have guys who have, you know, played sparingly. Bobby Wooden saw some playing time, Chad Alexander. So, you know, they could piece it together on that side of the ball. But I'm very interested to see because they invested heavily on offense last year with their recruiting class. They did yeah. the exact opposite thing in this year with 2022. And they've shown a propensity to throw young guys in there and be like, okay, if you've earned a role, if you've earned a starting job, we're going to let you go do it. Even if it comes with a little bit of a crash course, but you know, we've seen it already with guys, you know, like Tavian Combs uh, and, and guys like that, that, you know, when performers are in there, like they've, they've had some successes. And so now it's just about trying to find a few more of those guys, like, you know, maybe giving someone like Cody Moon at linebacker a little more run or, you know, the guys up front that are going to have to replace, you know, the likes of Joey Noble, for example, you know, Omar Durame, Jaden Phillips, like what are those guys going to be able to offer? And so I think, 
patience is definitely going to be a virtue. I think they're probably a couple of years away before they're seriously contending for ball eligibility, maybe three years away from contending for a Mountain Division title. But it sort of depends on how quickly the offense can make up the gap with, with the defense that sort of exists at present. Yeah, we'll see. Their recruiting class right now is seven in the Mountain West. Yeah, like it's solid, and and they've it's shown a, they've shown a little bit of a track record record of development too. It's so it's sort of you know maintaining those gains as they're bringing new pieces into the fold because you know they really kind of tore it down to the studs and and made do with what Bob Davey left them beforehand, and that's why you know the progress has maybe been a little slower than fans would like in the win column. But I still think that they're building towards something. That, that that Lobos fans can look forward to. They've done it before, but they did it before by being weird. Yes. They're and because that's what we kind of it's like we have Kenny like remember when when Kenny McDolu was being seriously considered to take over for Kevin, Kevin someone to Arizona? Yeah. So and he runs a triple option. They were weird in New Mexico with their I don't know what to call it. They brought in the old I remember his name now. Um um the boy the boy was it was from Sam Houston State or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember who you're talking about. I just can't remember his name. It was like a pistol. It was like a triple option. That's And they had amazing running backs where there's talent, but also the uniqueness of what's being run. It's more like kind of like Chris Alt, what he did in Nevada, the pistol, those type of things where it's kind of a unique set. Like, what the heck are we guarding here? What's going on? They're not doing that, which I think New Mexico, they're not going to now because why? Danny Gonzalez is in the offensive mind to do that, obviously, just because he's been, because he's been D.C. and defensive coach. I don't think they need to do that. That would help for teams that are lacking in talent, which to be real, Lobos are lacking in talent and experience. Working progress. I don't yeah. think they're going to – yeah, it'll take a minute, but I that would be a way to get back because that's how they did it last time where they were co-champs with uh, Wyoming and I think Boise State a while back. But I I think what they need to do – I don't know if they go through the portals answer. Is there a green chili NIL deal they can get to help uh. the guys in town? I don't know. I'm just saying – like it's going to take some time. What's the legit, my, like my legit way to get there? I know it take time. Is it because I got a, gra- a graduation for QB from Kansas. We'll see if he can step in right away to maybe start. But again, freaking Kansas, Miles Kendrick coming in town, but maybe whatever. They can't be greedy. They they need quarterback depth. So if they if they're to, if you're to tell me they bring in four quarterbacks, I'd be fine with it because of how last year went. They need all the quarterbacks they can help have with is unlucky injury. So if they're healthy, the thing that they need to do, honestly, retain talent. Like they've had multiple guys leave the past couple of years, like their best players are leaving. Mm-hmm. So if they can keep those guys in town, I think the defense will be mostly fine. I, I hate, I'm the offensive guy. Oh, it's all offense, all offense. Yes, it is, but they got to score points. They had offense past couple of years, like with, with the running game and re- decent receivers out there. I mean, they've had decent talent out there, but I think they might want to use, if they can, use the portal a bit better or use it more. Now, because it's different than Juco route, clearly, mm-hmm. but I think that's a way to maybe get. I don't know. I don't even know what the portal ranking is. I know it's a thing now you can rank the portal, what people are at, but I'm not in there at the moment. I'm looking at 24 7. But I think that might be a way to get more immediate help while still building up, like not go out and get like 10 guys from disgruntled or I want more playing time or whatever it may be, but get a handful of guys who you think can contribute. And if you do a good mix of it, mm-hmm. like you sign, say 19 guys or 18 guys, seven, 25 and bring in five or six guys who could hopefully maybe tiers of eligibility, possibly that'd be nice, but come in and play sooner than later and help out like an upperclassman or at least a sophomore guy who has some experience somewhere else. I kind of think that's what they need to do. 
I just don't know how they do it because they can't keep guys, but because it's a circle. It's like, okay, if you win, people will stay. If you don't, it's like a revolving door. You want to keep it going. Well, if that's a good example, you want you want in or out. You know what I mean? Like if you keep winning, okay, we're gonna stay. We're gonna keep going on the merry-go-round, I guess. But example, oh, this thing's broken down, going slow. We're not playing well, I'm out of here. They need to kind of figure out how to do that. So I don't know what the result would be. Recruiting's getting a touch better. Defense will be okay. I think it needs to be their offense. They got to score points because we look at who they play in the, in the Mountain West. Air Force can score points running the ball. Utah State, obviously, with what they've been doing, can score points. Boy State typically does. All the teams they play in the in the Mountain Division, Wyoming doesn't score a ton of points, but they've been capable this past year. They will get to them, but they've been capable. So I honestly, I think for me, get the defense more solid and get a few JUCO slash port, more portal guys who are who have played experience somewhere else who can come in and play. Who they got hurt somewhere else, or they just didn't like their playing time, or they wanted to be close to California or Texas, and they're on the East Coast or somewhere. I don't know. That's what I think they need to do: build the defense get some portal guys in quarterback, obviously they got to find consistent and just be not just be less unlucky, which is hard to predict. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this Adidas. And it's sort of interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition here to the next team. It's sort of oh, interesting. One, to... one quick thing. Oh, yeah. Do you think they could be in a conference title game within five years? Yeah. Okay. Anybody could be. That's sort of that's sort of an easy question. Okay. okay, three years. Three years. I mean, if everything breaks right, then maybe. Okay, that's a good answer. Okay, let's go. To, let's get your transition to the rebels here. What do we got? So I think, you know, if you're New Mexico, you could sort of look at what UNLV has done and see that they're sort of along the same track as far as, you know, being able to rebuild. I think that the built-in advantage that, that Las Vegas has had for themselves is um, obviously, you know, they have facilities and they've had a leg up on recruiting in particular. Um, you know, what is it? You know, last year they were third. And even though right now in terms of like, you know, the raw numbers that 24-7 sports puts out there, they're, they're eighth in the conference. Part of that is because they only have 10 commits in this class. But when you look at like the average star rating for each commit, like they're basically neck and neck with Fresno State. Fresno State is third in the Mountain West. So there's not a lot of doubt that that Marcus Arroyo and the rest of that staff has put in the work on the recruiting trail to get talent in the building. And so, you know, that I think is what I would imagine New Mexico would want to do. But I think the key for UNLV is to sort of, and, and I, you know, quarterback health matters for them too. Obviously, you know, Cameron Friel was the the freshman of the year last year, and you know, it's worth keeping that in mind. But he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year. That was Justin Rogers, who mm-hmm. is now in the transfer portal himself. And then when Rogers, you know, was knocked out, they turned to Doug Brumfeld first. And then when Brumfeld got hurt, that's when Frio got his chance. And so they went back on that same kind of quarterback carousel that they didn't necessarily want to be on um, and, and kind of sort of made it work here and there down the stretch. Like there's no doubt that they were, they were a much improved team in the second half of the year. Um, but I think, you know, being able to find one guy and stick with him is, is going to be a paramount because, you know, 
Rodgers is gone. Brumfield and Friel are still there. And oh, by the way, they also brought in a new quarterback from Tennessee and Harrison Bailey. So, you know, it's maybe even more critical to find the guy and get it right from, from the jump in spring ball. You know what I mean? But then beyond that, I think, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, not only replacing kind of the big talents that they have, Charles Williams, I think is the most emblematic of that. You know, we talked seemingly week in and week out about how, you know, maybe you want to give him and, and departed OC Glenn Thomas credit for, you know, he's their best offensive player. Let's just give him the ball 20 times a game. But now we don't know who's going to replace him because no other running back on the team had more than 13 carries last year. And so like, who's going to be that new lead back? Is he on the roster or did they bring him in from the transfer portal or, or, or whatever? But then, you know, beyond that, I think, you know, they just need to keep proving that they can develop talent too. Like, you know, obviously there were some guys who really popped on the stat sheet last year, you know, like your Brennan Scott's and whatnot. But I think it's important to note too, that they've seen just as many kind of more subtle successes as well. Like, you know, like there's at, at center Leif Flotanu, for instance, is I would say very quietly been a success story. He's maybe one of the better young offensive linemen anywhere in the conference. You know, so I think, you know, being able to, you know, give him more playing time, you know, guys like Tiger Shanks on that offensive line too, got more run down the stretch. And we were seeing it on defense too, with, you know, Cam Oliver, Noel Williams, Ricky Johnson, they just need to keep, you know, identifying the guys, you know, that basically the cream of the crop among all this kind of new talent they brought in over the last couple of years, because I think, you know, yeah, they've had some setbacks. They've lost some talent. Like Williams is gone. Jacoby Windman transferred to Michigan State. But I still think, like, you know, where, where I said New Mexico is on the right path, like UNLV is definitely on that same path. And I think you can be optimistic that their competitive window is going to open. Maybe, I mean, if things break right, maybe as soon as, you know, next fall. Yes, you're correct about that. And I want to go back to the quarterback thing you mentioned too really quick. Mm-hmm. They play, you mentioned what, Rodgers, Friel, Brumfield. And basically, anybody they put out there was going well, which reasonably well, at least for parts of games here or there. So if they could find who's going to be that guy, that's ideal, clearly, and be healthy too. That's the thing of same New Mexico. Be healthy. Retain talent because they lost um, – who they also was Jacoby Whitman as well. Is he gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So retain – as you're right, retaining talent, young talent, recruiting. Like that was one of our questions on Twitter or responses, I guess. They've had a top, what, three or four recruiting class under San, or not Sanchez, but uh, Coach Arroyo the past couple yeah. Of years. Yeah. Like in terms Keep of like, that the, going. like I said, in terms of the raw yeah. total, they're a little bit down this year, but in terms of like per, you know, star rating per like average player, like they've been basically top three or top four since Arroyo got there. Oh, one thing we should mention their offensive coordinators taking over the Arizona State jobs. So yeah. They do, they're in the market for a new OC. So that's um, not good. <laughs> so, with special with, I guess Arroyo, was he, um, an offensive coordinator or to Oregon, right? That was what yeah, he was. Yes, he was. Okay, I'd, I'd make it sure. Yeah, so Glenn Thomas named ASU football OC just the other day to replace Zach Hill, who, well, we don't want to get into ASU stuff, but I think the simple thing is, is just they're on the right path. They're close. They had all so many one score games last year. I think their big thing to get to a conference championship game during the, the West Division is not more difficult because Aztecs are always good, but they are, there's an opening there, I think. Because Hawaii will get to them starting over. Timmy Chang really starting over. Nevada, the same thing. And then San Jose State's like, mm, are they really, really good? Are they just okay? Was it the blip in the road? They went great in 2020. Things fit perfectly. Or was last year an injury issue with Nick, with um, quarterback, like Nick Starkle, mm-hmm. or, and playing 
And so, but they have Shaven Cordero coming in, but that's yeah. a different story. We'll get to that. But I think there's an opening for them to get in there and slide up sooner than later with the recruiting class. And everybody has next year. Remember that extra coverage will be around for like another three or four more seasons. All these guys who were just recently recruited. So it's a good recruiting class. Keep talent, keep healthy at quarterback. They've proven they can run regardless of Charles Williams. So finding a running back, but the running, the running backs would want to go to UNLV because look what we can do. Because how many teams that are not good, their close games has a great running back on their team, like who, who's able to run 20 plus times a game when your team's like, typically you think it'll be Aaron enough to play catch up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the areas they can do. Find, get the OC, get a good keep quarterback play going, limit transfers, which has been an issue. Just build this young class. I think, We'll get to it down there, but I honestly think maybe bowl eligibility could be in the card this year because they won half those half those one score games last year. They're I believe they're bowl eligible in twenty twenty one. Yeah. So I think they're closer. It's um they'll get there, but I I think they're on the right path. It'll take a minute, but they're there. So who anything else to add? Rebels or are we moving on? I think we can probably move on. All right, so we move on. Next team here, we got Wyoming on our list, and. Craig Bowles got to help on inside <laughs> hanging out there. They've been to, oh shoot, just one conference title game, correct? With, with Josh Allen? 2016. Okay, 2016. So they've been there once. We know it's defense. And we discussed this before. Go listen to me and our buddy Jesse on our show a couple weeks ago. You know, you know, I, you and I have discussed this before, but they've the portal hit them hard. Isaiah Naylor went to Texas. All these guys go to P5 school. Sean Chambers gone. Levi Williams is gone. Um, Chad Moom is in the senior bowl getting ready to go be an NFL draft pick. But that's where I think Bull needs to hype this up. Look at Logan Wilson with the freaking Bengals, how well he's playing in the playoffs. Like they, they have Josh Allen and the Bills. Like they have all, enough talent out there in the NFL to you would think to be able to bring in talent. Like, hey, we can coach you up and do this good thing. We joke with Josh Allen because he was honestly just above average in college. His completion percentage wasn't great. <clears throat> but I think what we discussed before is just same with the Air Force thing. Mix up the offense a little bit more. Allow these guys to pass a touch more. And I think they'll get it done because the defense is rock solid. It's just finding, honestly, all they really need is a decent passing game because running games always there. I know they lost uh, Javon Valid in Arizona State. Did Tyler Swen go somewhere too, or is he still in town? No, I believe Titus Swen is still on the roster. Or Titus Swen, excuse me. So I, I think finding average to above average QB play is all they really need, honestly. I could not agree more. All right, next team. What are we, next? <laughs> I mean, and I say that too because you know when you look at the split on you know offensive versus defensive SP plus, like you know the defense last year was a top forty unit, but the problem was yeah. you know they they ended up a, a below average team in terms of overall SP plus because the offense was ninetieth by that metric, and you know if you if you are maybe into the more traditional you know <laughs> traditional statistics, you know consider like how long has it been since Wyoming has had you know, a quarterback or not even a quarterback, just like a, a quarterback unit, a passing offense that completed mm-hmm. 60% of his passes. Cause I'm going back through. Josh Allen didn't do it. Josh Allen did not do that. I am pretty sure. And I'm going back. I'm at 2017 right now going through each year. I think the last Wyoming team to do it or the last quarterback to do it was probably Brett Smith. Oh, Brett Smith makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Brett Smith who transferred to, right? <laughs> uh, no, he left early. Didn't he? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Really okay. So yeah, I think you know. Yeah, continue your thought, but just I think QB plays. Well yeah, the, the last time I they did it was, the last yeah. time they completed at least sixty percent of the passes was twenty thirteen. On and honestly, like it, it sounds really simple to say, but like if you can supplement 
what has been a pretty good ground game more often than not. Like it, and yeah, I think losing, you know, the big names like Valaday, you know, and Trey Smith, I think is, is graduating if I'm not mistaken, but you know, they've shown that they can replace guys. Like we, we, we had that same conversation with like Nico Evans a few years ago, and then we had it with Brian Hill before that. So I don't think that that's necessarily going to be part of the problem. I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt with that, but they need a functional passing offense. Like they're dying for it. And I, and I think, you know, whether it's, you know, the new quarterbacks that they brought that they, you know, courted, you know, Evan Svoboda, or whether it's, you know, someone like Andrew Peasley, who, you know, might finally get a chance to, maybe. to win a starting job unimpeded or something like that. You know, maybe, maybe he's he, the guy because he did okay guy. last year with Utah State. He, he did reasonably but yeah, I, the injuries of Logan Bonner. Because I don't think it's like necessarily as clear cut that their competitive window is open right now as it is for Air Force. But I think of the teams in on the list that we're talking about today, they are probably second. But I think you know they're they're maybe at more of a crossroads than a lot of other teams here that are very clearly rebuilding, or like I said, with the Falcons are very clearly in that competitive window. Okay. Yeah, I think they're yeah they're the next team. They've been there. They're more out of all the teams on the list. It's them and Air Force are typically right there, like the best yeah. team. They're competing the most. So, yeah, they're my team. So what do we got next year? We're gonna blast through the last couple because we spent Colorado what State. We do like we mentioned. Oh boy, um, Jay Norville takes over as head coach. Mm-hmm. They've had success pre Big Mountain West, I guess pre title game Mountain West. They brought over basically. What eighty nine percent of the Nevada roster coaching staff? They, they brought over a lot of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't do we need to use dudes? Because that's Steve Adazio. So you don't want to be associated with Adazio. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll we'll be mindful of that in the future. <laughs> okay. Thank you. They so they're they're the most mysterious team of the group here, even though we know what Jay Norville does. Because they, I guess, they kind of work. They have Dante Wright, obviously back on the team. They back. Defense has been hit or miss. It's not like Jay Norville's been known for defense, is really honestly been known for wide receivers a lot, but he lost Timmy Chang to Hawaii. I, I do you think Norville could come in, step in right away, and get this team to seven wins next year? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I think of the teams here, like this is their the rim, the Rams are sort of singular in that they have a lot of potential, yeah. And it's sort of a matter of, you know, is that, that potential, potential. is that potential going to come together in like year one, for example, like it did with Utah State, or are they, are they stumble over maybe some unexpected obstacles and maybe it takes an extra year for that for that competitive window to come open. And I think, you know, with that in mind, you know, the, the big the biggest question in my mind is, okay, well, yes, the, the Norvell staff gets credit for developing Carson Strong. Can they do it again? Because, you know, they've got options on Maybe. the staff. You know, they brought over, like, one of those people that they brought over, one of those players was Clay Millen, who, you know, former four-star recruit, you know, went to Nevada very clearly to learn under Norvell, learn the air raid. Now he's in Fort Collins. And, you know, I think the the consensus is that he has the inside track, but it's not a given that he's going to win that job in the spring or into the fall. You know, because, you know, Evan Elise, who played a little bit, you know, as, as Todd Sintail's backup last year, still on the roster and oh by the way there's three other guys that they have uh, on the current roster as well so you have to imagine they're going to take as much time as they can to figure out who's going to be that guy under center 
but you know, I, and I think the faster they figure it out and, and the faster they realize that they made the right decision, which is not always apparent right away, you know, that I think is going to do a lot to you know, propel them you know, back up towards bull eligibility and maybe beyond. Yeah, we'll see. I, yeah, there's a lot of, it's always potential. I got the stadium. We got this, we got that. It's we'll see there. Uh, Cause it, with them being typically a team that like, remember they were outside of a couple bumbling plays here or there, they were in a bowl. They should have been in a bowl game last year in Nevada, or CSU, yeah. which means Dodge would be around, which, this is the best move for the Rams could ever ask for because Gary Vidazio, because he's a garbage coach, in my opinion. So it's a, a space where he comes in, he knows how to win, which these guys, not really the case. Developing the quarterback, again, can he do it twice? Because Carson Strong, senior bowl week's going on. He's apparently impressing the heck out of everybody and could shoot up the draft board. That's why we're dedicating like weekly stuff to him, like where he's being drafted. And then we know they can be fairly creative on offense. You got done here. I want to see what he does with them. I know it's not this this year preview, but assuming Norvell sticks around for a couple of years, because remember his name legitimately came up for an Oklahoma head coaching job. Yeah. So it's like he's a guy who may not be around for too long. And so if there if it strikes hot and does well, then yeah, that could be the case where he moves forward and gets his team to a title. I think they have the out of all the teams listed, they have the I don't want to say they could potentially, I don't want to say turn around because like Air Force can't turn around. I need to turn around a 10 win season. You know what I mean? I think they have the quickest, best chance to have the biggest win differential to get to the conference championship within a couple of years. Well, and, and the quarterback is obviously going to get a lot of the spotlight and maybe deservedly so just based off of Norvell's track record. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only pressing issue that could hold them back. You know, we'll talk about this more at length kind of in the spring and in the summer. But, you know, another thing they're going to have to figure out how are they going to replenish that defensive line? Because Adazio's Rams didn't do a lot of things well. One thing they did exceptionally well was get after the quarterback. But Scott Patchen is gone. Toby McBride is gone. I believe Devin Phillips is the only guy listed on the roster who was sort of like a, a major contributor up front last year. And so while you know it, it will help that the linebacker core looks like it looks stacked, you know, Muhammad Kamara was a was a major player last year so was dequan jackson so was cameron carter that's a, that's a really good trio to build around but you know if they can't find some answers up front which you know to to his credit you know norvell's defensive line was maybe a little bit better than they deserve credit for like you know in terms of sack rate and the Wolfpack were 23rd nationally the rams by comparison i think were eighth you know to give you a sense of but but you know we just saw you know, one or two years worth of the Wolfpack getting pushed around on the ground game by opponents as well. And so, you know, obviously, you know, the offense and, and how quickly that comes together is is going to get a great deal of attention. But if the defense can't, you know, sort of replenish itself, especially up and up in the trenches, then that could be another one of those things that holds them back an extra year. Yeah, because it's more than just offense. And also, here's the thing. We know from Nevada least last year's defense, they had players like Don Peterson and others. They weren't always rock solid. Yeah. So bringing in new guys, it's uh, for the short-term success, no, because Utah State is really good still. Boy State's always going to be there. Air Force, Wyoming, like they honestly could be finished fifth this year and still have a pretty good season yeah. in the Mountain Division. So. They have the, I think they have the, like maybe upside to looking for. They have a lot of upside to shoot to the top sooner than later. Yeah. 
right. So next, who do we got next here? Uh, that would be the Hawaii Warriors. Is this just a give them five years and see what happens? Because there's been a ton of garbage and mess going on with how the June Jones thing was handled drastically terrible, very bad, beyond bad. They are the most recent team to be in a conference title game a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but they lose quarterbacks. They lose guys, Calvin Turner, to the NFL, not, well, graduated NFL or not, who knows, XFL, USFL, moving on, I should say. A lot of guys yeah. in the portal gone, best defensive players gone. So they're a year where, like, and Timmy Chang has never been an OC outside of, like, super low-level college football. Never been head coach, so we'll see how that staff really turns out to be. They brought in, would they bring in the Eastern Washington OC for the same job? I believe it was. That is correct, Ian Shoemaker. Okay, Ian Shoemaker. So that's a great positive, which means we know we're getting a creative offense. And this is where, like how I mentioned before, Air Force or maybe New Mexico more specifically, get super creative and go against the grain and run something different. Not that'd be different from Hawaii standards, but still going to be in the same vein of run and shoot, um, pass heavy offense, kind of. So I think that could get them, shoot them up soon later, but I think the inexperience short-term is going to get Timmy Chang. Yeah. I mean, I think if he, it's going to be really hard for them to pull the same kind of turnaround that you can envision for like a team like Colorado state that we just talked about. Or what Rolovich did that first year. I mean, remember like early on, that was pretty good. But I think, you know, given, given what June Jones did, you know, what was it like 15 years ago at this point uh, and given what Rolovich did more recently, I think the blueprint is pretty clear for what the Warriors yeah. want to do. And I think that, you know, with, you know, the offensive staff that they're putting together in particular, that they're sort of committed to trying to just run that back and make it work again. I'm working with their, and so what that basically comes down to is like, you, you look at that 2019 team and say, let's try and do that again, score a lot of points, you know, have a quarterback that isn't afraid to chuck it down the field knows how to make those reads in the run and shoot. And, and whether that's Cameron Cooper or someone like Braden Shager, it's sort of remains to be seen, but you know, they've got options at quarterback. Then maybe they aren't the most familiar options that, you know, like the, you know, we kind of knew what Siobhan Cordero was and mm-hmm. we maybe still don't with Shager and, and Cameron Cooper coming in from Washington state, but Cooper, Cooper has familiarity with the air raid. Like he, he worked under Rolovich last year. Yeah. And he's and, from Washington airs it out too. So, yeah. And so, you know, it may not come together right away. You know, it may be a little offense heavy and then maybe the defense is playing catch up for a year or two. But I think the, the key for them is figuring out like how to get back to that 2019 blueprint, which was, you know, very led by that powerful offense while also remembering that they do eventually need to play a little defense too. And so that's where, you know, <laughs> th- that I think is going to be the trick because you have to remember, like if you go back and look at that 2019 team, you know, they were, especially on the defensive side of the ball, a very, very bend but don't break kind of unit. And, you know, to their credit, you know, they got away with it and they won 10 games that year. But I think that's where, you know, they might feel the losses a little more immediately on that side of the ball, like your Corey Bethleys, your, your Donovan Dalton's guys who saw significant amounts of playing time. And so that might take a little bit longer to come together. But if they can do that, then... You know, we've, we've already seen them steal a division title in, in fairly recent memory, more so than, you know, some of these other teams we've talked about. And so I think they they have a sense of what they want to do. It's just a matter of going out and executing it. Yeah, I think it'll just take them some... Turn on nature of the past couple coaches. There's a yeah. possibility 
slim just because the experience of Ching is not great that it might be 2024 before they get there, like season yeah. year three. So, all right, final team on the list here is, oh, shoot, my Twitter feed. Who's we missing here? My last one, I moved it away. That would um, be your Nevada Wolfpack. Okay. Oh, yeah, Nevada Wolfpack. Oh, boy. New head coach, uh, Ken, um, oh, shoot, Ken Wilson. Ken, Ken Wilson. Oregon. Formerly of Nevada, defensive, uh, defense, what is he, defensive coach up there, co-defensive coordinator, excuse me, at Oregon. Here's the problem. There was a lot of talent. For a short lot of term. Talent. Did, did you is, see it? Did you see that 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 tweet that Bill Connolly put out about Nevada earlier or yesterday? I believe. I have not. No, what's he saying about the Wolfpack? So it was it was threaded together with you know a, a sort of a note on what Colorado State did, sort of rating Reno in their recruiting class and a lot of the players. Mm-hmm. But he followed that up to say, you know, because we talk about returning production, especially with the you know our offseason podcast or team previews later in the year. Mm-hmm. Right now, and this is according to Bill Connolly at ESPN underscore Bill C. Nevada is returning 6% of its passing yards. Six? Six. Okay. Which is probably what, you know, Nate Cox did mop up duty in the bowl game. Probably Um, (laughs) kneel downs and in certain games. I don't know. 13% of their receiving yards. 29% of their offensive line snaps. 30% 30% of their defensive line snaps and 9% of their linebacker snaps. So he, 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 he was summarized that to say like, he probably can guess that you know, the Nevada is likely to be a bottom 10 team in returning production, which means in a nutshell, patience is going to be a virtue in Reno or, or they could pull BYU be least returning team of the country and be awesome. Just saying <laughs> that could be true. Yeah, but I'm you know, well, unlikely, think, but <laughs> but I think you know a lot of it is going to depend too on like how how quickly they can rebound on the recruiting trail because over the last five years they've sort of yo-yoed in terms of like where they ended up in the in the recruiting standings across the Mountain West. Right now, going into tomorrow's National Signing Day, they're eleventh in the Mountain West, which again, given the short window that Wilson had to sort of cobble something together, probably understandable. But if you go back to the last few years, you know, last year they were fifth, 2021. The year before that, they were 10th. The year before that, they were fifth. And so it's yeah. going to be really interesting to see, like, you know, how quickly they can get back at, you know, and they don't have to have like a, a Boise State or, or San Diego State type recruiting class to, you know, bring in the talent that they need to, you know, develop in the direction that they want to go which we still don't really know about yet. Like, you know, they have their new office reporter, Derek Sage, given his past experience, like he most recently worked with Chip Kelly at UCLA, very run heavy yeah. sort of diversified mm-hmm. offense in there. Uh, but, you know, he worked, yeah. you know, where else? I'm trying to remember where, I'll handle where else he worked. But long story short, like he's learned from a lot of different guys. Like he, he learned under Mike Leach at Washington State too. So maybe, you know, they, maybe they keep a little bit of the air raid. You know, it's so, it's sort of, we don't like Nevada more than anybody else right now is a blank slate. And so I think it's sort of, you know, that's the problem. That's why we don't know what to expect. And that's why they're the arguably them and Mexico might be the teams furthest away from reaching conference title. But, but to their credit, you know, one thing that Chris Murray of Nevada Sportsnet pointed out is, you know, not only did they, you know, bring in a lot of, you know, Oregon recruits that, that followed Wilson from Eugene to Reno, but they've also started a concerted effort to like, you know, bring in local talent too from like Northern Nevada and, and, and things like that. And so if that's uh, an element of, that they can mine maybe a little more effectively in the next few years, 
then maybe that gives them a foothold that, you know, no other team in the conference is going to be able to take advantage of. But, you know, again, because they're still sort of like a, a big question mark across the board, I think, you know, if you're looking for sort of a blanket, you know, kind of cliche answer, it's just like bring in talent. I think that's where it's going to start. Yeah, because I don't know, we'll wrap up here, but I don't know what to expect at all from Ken Wilson besides, okay, defense coordinator, Oregon. They had a really good defense for a handful of years. Kevin Thibodeau being known more for a defensive team, mm-hmm. and we'll see it goes on. But we know they don't pay well. Facilities aren't great. That's part of the reason um, Norvell left. So that's stuff to consider. But they're, I think with their recent success, they could be a little quicker turnaround than we think possibly. It's because, yeah. hey, we can win here in Nevada despite a resource. You've got to be kind of creative. So that's yeah. where – that gives them a plus. Plus, the defense will be probably be better than the offense for a while with what Wilson can do. And so, Nate Cox, he's been around. Maybe there's some experience learning from Carson Strong or something. And it, it'll take a minute for them. But I think the positives are that defense side of the ball, and they they know how they the program is historically known for having even FCS whatever good coaches and good teams. Colin Kaepernick, Chris Alt, FCS playoff success having guys in the NFL like Romo Dubs, Carson Strong, that should help them recruit, not this time around, but next year. And that's where I think they might be 2023, 24, where they're really in the mix for something a couple years away. Well, and keep this in mind too. Not too long ago, they flipped a Hawaii commit. You know, AJ Bianco, the quarterback who was thought to to be going to the Warriors for a pretty long time. You know, now he's going to join the Wolfpack and, you know, if that's indicative of what, what Wilson and his staff can do to bring in talent, then, you know, I, I think it's, it's easy to harp on them losing so much talent to Colorado state. But again, you know, they brought in a few guys from Oregon. They brought in at least one, you know, one power five, two power five talents mm-hmm. from, from Arizona and Michigan respectively. You know, they brought in an offense, some offensive line help from within the conference, you know, Joey Capra's, you know, on the team. Now he has starting experience in the past. So it's, it's, it's easy to look and think, oh my God, well, they're starting over. It's a lost cause in 2022. Maybe not, but you know, there's still a lot, a lot left to be seen in, in we'll see. I, I'm not entirely still, but we got, but let us know mwr.com. I guess Twitter is the best place. MWC wire. What team out of all these will win the, could possibly win the conference title soonest. Is it, is there both of our answer, both of our answers, just air force. Is that too easy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it might be. Okay. I would, farthest away for me, it'd still be New Mexico, unfortunately. That's so, fair. So, all right. So let's try, that's it here. MWR.com. Check it out. We'll be back for another podcast about a week or so. We've got basketball show coming up too, because March is all around the corner, Matt, if you didn't know. Um, so yeah, we'll be back for another show. And yeah, we'll see you next time and let people know if you enjoyed it or not, or just let people know about share. I don't care. Tell us we suck, but share the link anyway. That's what we don't, don't forget so. about that. Thumbs up. I get, I, th- I believe it's a thumbs up for Spotify. So go listen. Give us a thumbs up. Go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts now, I guess, and just say these guys do a pretty good job. And I'll take four stars. That's fine, right? Yeah. Minimum four. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we'll be back next time and we'll see you then, folks.